Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. I just want to start by saying go blue. Good evening, everybody, on a Wednesday night. Um, We got a lot to do today, Chris. We got a lot to do today. We are now 17 days away from kickoff. Does that sound right? That's right. 17. 17. A couple days. You know what? I'm already getting an echo. I'm going to come out. I'll come right back in. Oh, boy. It's already already starting. It's already coming to It's already starting. So Chris is going to handle his uh, technical difficulties. We will fade the music out here, and Chris will be back with us shortly. And yeah, we do have a lot to do today. We got um, we got a chance to talk with Jim Harbaugh earlier today, so that's that's going to dominate what we what we speak about today. Is Jim Harbaugh spoke for about twenty minutes? You know, he he hit on a lot of different topics. Um, I made a bullet point list of seven or eight of them. Me and Chris are going to throw some different things in there. The return of this fucking guy. An EFG. I mean, we've been sprinkling them in here and there. We've done them, but. We've got a good one today that we need to address. We're actually we're actually doubling down on the TFG. We'll we'll get into that here in a moment. Going to talk a little Juwan Howard and NIL. That's going to be pretty much Chris's show right there. Since I was over at the football deal going on, this is going back to when was this? Like Thursday last week or something? Thursday of last week, I believe that's exactly yeah. right. Yes. So Thursday last week. A beautiful scheduling job by the University of Michigan. Football availability and basketball availability pretty much going on at the same time. So we had to divide and conquer. So I actually haven't heard much about that. Chris and I have, uh, haven't have been uh, on the horn quite as much over the last few days. I don't. I think we got a little sick of each other there for a while. We were talking and spending <laughs> a lot of time in the vehicle and doing all this, uh, all this nonsense. But Chris will, Chris will have some good stuff from that Juwan Howard sit down. And then yeah. we'll both get into the Jim Harbaugh stuff today. And uh, yeah, it's a lot, man. We got a lot going on and we are, again, just about a little over two weeks away from the season kicking off. Our our final show until game week, Brandon, our last show until game week. We can throw that out there. Look, and let barring something where we're like, all right, dude, we we just can't skip a week. I'm going to be out of town next week for a, uh, a vacation with my family up at Houghton Lake. Chris has been ran ragged over the last 72, you know, 96 hours, whatever it's been. So next Wednesday, there will be no podcast. I We're just going to take a break, and then we're going to come back the following week and hit it hard where it's going to be five shows a week for the next several months. Monday. That sounds insane. Monday. Five shows a week. Wednesday, Friday, Saturday pregame, Saturday postgame, five shows a week starting not next week, but the following week, game week. It's game week. For the team and the coaches, it's game week for Chris and I, and we're really, really looking forward to that because there is, I mean, like, dude, we, we talked about it before you talk about through the month of June, July, where we're, we're getting on a podcast once a week and we're like, dude, what are we going to talk about? And then we get to the season. We're talking about Urban Meyer in a bar, like dangling in some, uh, doing what he does. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, he is. So he's doing that, and now we're going to have so much content that we're going to go five shows a week, and I can't wait. 
Yeah. So there you go. That's the show for tonight. That's a little look at what we got coming up in the coming weeks. Chris, would you like to give a little bit more of a teaser? We got a, we got a, do we got a teaser for you? I got to, I got to try to tip massage. Well, what am I, what am I teasing here? Just game week? What's, what's coming game week? <laughs> look at here. I'll, look, I hate it because I feel like all the time, like, you know, these, these different outlets come out with, well, we've got a big announcement for this and we've got a big announcement for that. And then the, it comes and it's like, well, you know, that wasn't really all that impressive. I don't want to, I don't want to over promote and under deliver, but what I will mm -hmm. tell people is uh, mm -hmm. Brandon and I have been working on, you know, a project for, <laughs> we've been working on a project for quite some time. Uh, it's at least a year in the making and uh, it's, we're, we'll be able to share it with you game week, hopefully as soon as possible, early game week. But, you know, it is going to affect you guys in, in some way, shape or form. And, and that's pretty much all I can say. It, it will give you guys an opportunity that you haven't had before. And uh, I think it, it goes in line with our effort to try to enhance your pregame and postgame experience. So Listen, that's all I'll say. It's how we roll. It's unprecedented in the market. It's never been done before. I don't think it'll ever be done again, if I'm being completely honest. And it's a game changer in a lot of ways for us personally. And yes, hopefully for you as the consumer, that was the goal. That was the genesis of everything we thought of. And yeah, I mean, yeah, from the onset, probably well over a year, but really, really started to take off here recently in about a, the last month or so. And I, yeah, we're, we're super excited. Uh, we're super excited about being able to bring you guys some information about that. So that'll be uh, after our week off and then hopefully, yeah, hopefully as early in that week as we can, as we can do it, but there's, you know, still some things we're some kinks we're working out. So we'll, we will get into that, get into that ASAP. All right, Chris, do you want to, we'll do uh we'll do TFG, right? We'll do that out of the gate. Let's just get right into it. Let's get right into it. This guy. Well, Chris, you actually, this was your, this person was your idea. And then as I was kind of thinking like, all right, who should I go with? Who could I talk about? And I'm like, no, you know what? This, this, uh, this fucking guy, he needs a double, he needs a double team. So we're, we're both going to use the same guy. Well, oh, <laughs> let's just take it easy there. Yeah, Brandon. Right. Let's just take it easy. I'm going to be double teaming ahead. anybody on a Wednesday podcast. Let's both go ahead and talk about the same person. There we go. A little more. Yeah. Uh, RJ young, who I I'll be honest, full disclosure. I didn't know who RJ young was prior to, uh, this whole top 25 incident. And so for people don't, who don't know, uh, RJ young, a uh, Fox uh, sports analyst has his own podcast um, called the number one show, I believe ironically, but came out with his preseason uh, top 25 and look, you know, AP came out with their preseason top 25. Michigan was number eight. And, and people can debate about whether or not that's too high or too low for Michigan. But I said this in the article I put out. There isn't a single analyst, fan, anybody in the country that's debating whether or not Michigan actually belongs in the preseason top 25, except RJ Young. And we put the video out in the article. I'm not sure. Again, full disclosure, I was only able to make it like a couple minutes into the video before I just couldn't listen anymore. But I, look, I think if you're in this industry long enough, it's inevitable that you're going to have a bad take or two 
but I can't remember ever hearing anything quite as bad as, as that particular take on why the University of Michigan defending Big Ten champions don't belong in the top 25 heading into 2022. It just didn't make any sense. Brandon, could you make any sense of what his argument was? Dude, I, I just... It's just it's just asinine. I mean, like, there's no other way to put it. It just does it. I don't know, dude. I mean, you talk. We talked about it on, you know, on the phone. Like, first of all, I, the dude's voice was crazy. I couldn't listen, like, audibly. I couldn't stand him. Second of all, he oh, I like get back on your motorcycle and go somewhere. That's that's like that's what I thought immediately. <laughs> When he started talking about his gold wing 700 cc or whatever the hell he I said, mean, like bro, it, it's, can, can we? Can we? Do Do you want to see who it is? Like who's in his top 25? I mean, there there's other teams in here. I mean, come on, listen. We have Michigan State at number seven in RJ Young's top 25. Michigan didn't make it. Michigan State makes it at number seven. Arkansas makes it at number nine. BYU at number 15. Kentucky at number 21, Minnesota 22 or 22, Tennessee 25. I mean, these are all programs that I just, I can't, I can't understand how somebody who's actually in this industry and supposed to be taken seriously can put out something like that. And uh, like, how can that stand? How can this aggression stand? I don't know. And, and like, yeah, maybe he's just doing the troll thing and he's looking for attention and he wants this. He wants that. And now we're giving him the attention. We're talking about his post. But do you really want this kind of attention? Like, the, I, that's to just, know, yeah. it was just so, it was so out there. It was because like, I personally thought it was a little strange that Michigan was behind like Utah. Like right. what the hell is that? So I, and I think Notre Dame is being overvalued like they usually are. And I think a lot of people outside of the Michigan market think that Michigan is overrated to, from time to time. And I think yeah. if you go back through history, you could maybe find some evidence that supports that theory. But I think Notre Dame is always valued a little higher than they should be. And then AM, okay, they just had a really good recruiting class, but like I just don't know if you can count on a bunch of freshmen to make them one of the top five or six programs in the country. So I thought you could talk about Michigan being anywhere from like number five to about number eight where they are, and maybe maybe nine or just outside of the top 10 at the worst, because yes, they have had some turnover at the coordinator positions and they got a ton to replace on defense. But other than that, Michigan's going to be really freaking good. And if you look at their schedule and have any idea how the rankings work, dude, they're not going to lose for like a long time, probably, which means that that ranking is only going to get better. So to, to say that they should start outside of the top 25 was, it just it was just dumb. Just I mean flat out dumb. There's no other way to put it. The entire time I was watching it, all I could say in my head was this fucking guy. Yeah, this, this guy. Exactly it, dude. That's this fucking guy. So well earned. Well earned title. There you go. Just a little short, little jumping back into TFG. We have gotta done. you gotta get it, get the blood flowing a little bit, get back into the segments. You know, we've I mean, we we've, got this fucking guy. We've thrown the button out there before, you know. Yeah you know, recently, but in terms of playing the music and really going, doing a, there you go. TFG RJ, what's his name? RJ young, RJ young. I've said this before too, about people who like work and, you know, work in radio and like, like, dude, if you just like his voice is terrible. I don't understand how a dude like that got a job like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. They, know, can't, they can't all sound like, they can't all sound like butter. 
Brandon. Well, I I know and that's the, the rest of place the be consumed. It's like you gotta you gotta have what it takes, and I just didn't I didn't see it with him. You weren't all right. feeling it. Not at all. Not even a little tiny bit. Not even a little bit. All right. Juwan Howard sat down with the media. We just talked about it um, Thursday last week. He had some pretty powerful things to say. I mean, I know NIL was one big one. I know he talked about some of the you know, some of the guys who are expected to take on a more expanded role this season. I don't know all the ins and outs of what he said because, again, I wasn't there. I was over at Schenbeckler Hall covering football while you decided to stay over at the uh, over at Chrysler and, and sit down with Juwan. So I don't know, Chris, do you have a do you have a top three bullets? Do you have a this was the focal point? This is, you know, he said a lot. I mean, he was all over. What, what would be your approach to delivering this to the masses as we're now all listening? Well, I'd say, you know, he singled out guys like Terrence Williams, Kobe Bufkin, Hunter Dickinson as, as guys who have made, you know, big leaps from last year. And I think we know, like, you know, Michigan's going to need a lot out of a guy like Kobe Bufkin. He kind of came on a little bit towards the end of last year, but Michigan needs guys that can score the ball. And so it's nice to hear, you know, he's been a bit of a gym rat and, and working on elevating his game a little bit. And then obviously what Hunter Dickinson brings to the table, Michigan's going to need Hunter Dickinson to be Hunter Dickinson. But th there's a couple things that stood out. One, the, the setting I thought was just incredible. Whereas, you know, it, in my experience so far in doing this, you know, th this job, you, you go in and a coach stands up at the, the, the podium and, and sort of, you know, speaks to the press pool. Well, you know, I, I forget what room we were in, but it was in Chrysler and we were sitting kind of in a casual uh, setting. And then coach Howard came in and we were all sitting around this big table and it was just, you know, fire the Victor Club, I think, right? The Victor Club. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was basically, you know, fire questions and and coach was doing uh, his best to answer everything. And and the one thing I really like about Joan Howard is that it's just kind of an unfiltered thing. Like he just kind of says what what he feels about whatever question gets asked and he puts a lot of thought into it. And I appreciate that. And obviously, you know, his comments about NIL stood out to me the most. And, you know, you can go back to... I mean, shit, man, last year, you know, when, when NIL was becoming a thing and I remember you beating the drum that, you know, Michigan is behind and Michigan, you know, needs to catch up to these other programs. And we've kind of seen that, that play out here over the course of the last year. And to have a guy like Juwan Howard say, you know, do we have a collective in place? No. Do other programs have collectives in place? Yes. Should we, you know, he just kind of went down this, this laundry list of things that Michigan doesn't have and compared it to, you know, other programs in the country that have it. And basically by the end of it, it was, you know, Michigan needs to be better when it comes to NIL. And so no matter, no matter where you stand on the issue, I think it's interesting that a university like Michigan still, I mean, a premier basketball program, a premier football program, a premier institution. How is it that this far into it, Juwan Howard is still sitting at a press conference saying like, we just don't have the resources we need for this. I, I don't understand how that happens. And I get that there's fans out there that want to rationalize it and say, well, Michigan's cooking up something in the back. If they are, Juwan Howard's not aware of it. I, I'm not <laughs> sure that Jim Harbaugh is aware of it, and I don't know that a lot of the players are aware of it. So it's just concerning and puzzling to see Michigan still in this space all this time later. It's what I've said from the very beginning. You just you reference it, you know, that I was beating that drum. Michigan could and should be 
it's tier one. I, I don't know if you want to put them number one or would they be battling Notre Dame when you talk about all the resources, all the network, all the alumni, all the rich boosters, all that. Like there, there are two or three or four schools in the entire country when you when you pile it all together, basketball, football, academics, athletics, money, network, power, brand recognition. All, when you pile it all together, there are maybe two or three that would be at the top of that mountain, and Michigan is absolutely one of them. And because they're lacking behind in this area, and again, Hunter Dickinson talked about it a couple months ago. We talked about it way before that and kind of got I don't want to say trash, but there were some people out there that, again, just thought we were hating. Oh, if it's not this, it's this. They're always – that wasn't a complaint. It was just this is what we're hearing. This is the kind of stuff that's being talked about, and Michigan is behind. They are behind when it comes to the NIL landscape. And now we are here August 17th, well over a year into this deal, and they're still there. You've got Juwan Howard sitting down with the media less than a week ago saying needs to be better, needs to be more need to have this, need to have that. I, and you're right. I don't know. You know, we, there there are different things that go into it. It's not just write a check and let's get some dudes. Like it's, I, I get it. I get that. Although that does seem to be what's happening in other places. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the roadblocks are. I don't know what collection of people are saying we're just not going to do this. When you've got dudes like Juwan Howard and J Jim Harbaugh saying we should, we need to, this is what we want. Those are two of the most important influential people on campus. And if they want it, and they're the ones that are able to have a lot of these checks written when you're talking about the butts that are in Michigan Stadium every weekend and basically fund the entire athletic department, it's really strange that, Yes, more than a year in here, the coaches at at a place like Michigan are still pining for like what is good, what, what, why, why can't we have this? Why are other programs doing this way better and way more aggressively than we are? I I can't imagine how frustrating that must be. And I think you know we talked about some of the foresight that John Beeline had in the the landscape of college basketball. I just I I wonder what John Beeline would be going through right now at a place like Michigan because he was over it three years ago and this stuff wasn't even going on. But it's it is just kind of a it's kind of a head scratcher when you think about how good and how elite Michigan could be in this arena and they're just I keep saying they, but yeah, we don't even know who the they is, but they're just choosing to not not play ball. What it, What's weird is that it seems like there's some institutions and programs around the country that are really just taking it and running with it. And then there are some that are just kind of like doing whatever they can. And, and, you know, they're not really, you know, they're not really the Bama's or the, you know, the Miami's of the world, but they're not the bottom tier either. Like, I don't even know if Michigan's in that middle tier yet when it comes to NIL, like the fact, like you could, when Juwan Howard was asked a follow-up question, like, have you had these conversations with people that are in a position of power to do something at Michigan? His response was like, yes, yes. And he kind of shook his head and he said yes over and over. And then he chuckled. It's like, I almost gathered that it's coming from a place of frustration at this point that like, look, we've been in this thing for a while now. Is it, is it hurting the basketball program on the recruiting trail? or in the transfer portal, not necessarily, but it's certainly not helping us the way it could be. And I think if Juwan Howard wants that, and if Jim Harbaugh wants that, pretty safe bet that the players want that as well. And so again, it doesn't matter what anybody on the outside thinks. The, the people who are actually there 
getting things done, the coaches, the student athletes, they all seem to be for this. And so I'm not sure you're right. I don't know who the, they is that, that is preventing Michigan from, from jumping headfirst into this thing, but it appears that it's becoming a problem to the point where Juwan Howard spent a significant amount of time during his press conference talking about it. Yeah. And to, to kind of reiterate D2K2 from the YouTube page is talking about Michigan will not pay for play. That's not really even what this is. The, 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 no. This collective that can be in place for everybody that's an athlete at Michigan to earn, you know, whatever the number. I can't remember what the school was. Was it was it SMU? I think it was SMU. SMU put a collective in place where even all of their football players are now going to get like a baseline minimum of several thousand dollars just for being on the team. That's didn't Texas Tech do something like that too? Yeah, like twenty five a- grand per player or some shit like that. There's a lot of players out there, a lot of places out there that are doing that with their players. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you can see some of the comments right here, even Darren May right there at the bottom. I'd want my players to have incentives to do better. Well, that's 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 something you can't do. We just learned a little. I, I wasn't really sure how that would work, but the quarterback at LSU just decided to 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 stop playing football, basically, because he didn't win the job. And he doesn't have to give any of his NIL money back because it can't be based on performance. That's not what it's for. And so th- that that's that's why Michigan could do what these other programs are doing, but bigger and better and more. And it's but, just but not happening. It's, it's, not it's happening. worth noting that it's not Brandon Brown or, you know, myself saying that. that this is, you know, Juwan Howard, head coach of the Michigan basketball program, saying Michigan is not leading the way on NIL and they need to be. So again, it's concerning that somebody, you know, at, at this university, at that program, at, in that position is still over a year later having these same concerns. And, and you would expect a place like Michigan to be leading from the front. Here's the story. Just five days ago, August 12th for SMU. Of course, a freaking pop up. No, I don't want to sign up for your newsletter. SMU. Porn? Uh, unfortunately, SMU football and basketball and men's basketball players will receive $36,000 a year as a part of the aim image and likeness activity under an initiated launched on Monday called the Boulevard Collective. So where's the State Street Collective? Where's the Big House Collective? Where's the Mason Blue Collective? Where is it? If a place like SMU can get it to and, and I know they're, you know, Every school kind of has a few of these boosters that care about things maybe more than others. And who knows what's going on in Texas? There's oil money there. There's old Southern money there. Like, you know, some of these schools where you're like, damn, how are they doing that? You just don't realize that they've got the kind of backing that they have. But I know who who does have that kind of backing. It's freaking Michigan across the board. Dude, get Steven Ross on the horn one quick minute and let him throw a collective together and everything's good. And that's why I've said all along from the very beginning that if Michigan does decide to dive into this thing full force, they could be the best at it in about a week. Like literally, it could be such a quick thing. You got a lot of very smart people with a very, uh, you know, a very extensive law background to get all the all the uh, all the wrinkles ironed out and have this thing in place and up and humming and rolling in no time. And Michigan could put all these numbers to, to shame. Jim Harbaugh said it at Big Ten Media Days. He, someone asked him directly. Ryan Day said they need thirteen and a half million. He said, "Let's double it. We could do more than that at Michigan. We could do way better than that at Michigan." He's freaking right. He's absolutely right. So again, to Chris's point, Jim Harbaugh, Juwan Howard, they're on board. And 
I don't know, man. Crick crickets? Probably not crickets. Maybe a cricket. Because we know some guys are getting some money, but it's not because of anything like this. It's not because of any, you know, uber-funded collective by a, a network and an alumni base that's better than any place on the planet. It just doesn't really add up, man. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, that's that's where I'm at. And, and again, I just go back to the fact that this isn't like this isn't some low level institution out there. This is the University of Michigan. This is Jawan Howard. This is a premier program. And the fact that he is meeting with the media and basically saying, like, we, we don't have any help on NIL. We have to do better. It's just puzzling for a place like the University of Michigan. I don't get how that happens. And it's not like NIL came out of you know, left field, everybody knew it was coming. And so the groundwork and the foundation for something in place should have been, those plans should have been laid before it even went live. And so again, as you said, Brandon, here we are a year later and you have the head coach of the basketball program asking for help. Let me, let me just put it like this. I mean, and these are numbers that you or I, or, you know, hell, I don't know, maybe somebody out there is worth a hundred million bucks. That's listening to us right now. I doubt it. But if you are, so Steven Ross, I bring him up and it's not his responsibility, but he's just one guy. Yes, it and, is. Well, Steven Ross, get maybe your shit together. Maybe it is. This is a guy that we all know that's worth a ton of money in the billions and billions and has given very large athletic gifts to the University of Michigan before. And obviously the School of Business, which is named after him. But you, you start throwing some of these numbers around, right? So $36,000 per player, even if you did it with all the walk-ons, that's 125 guys. That's four and a half million, four and a half million bucks. That's a lot of money. It's not to Steven Ross. If you gave that amount of money, you could take care of Michigan's football player and entire roster top to bottom for the next 25 years for $112 million. Again, it's a shitload of money, but he's given half a bill before with a B, dude. With a B. So you get him, you get several other high, you know, high flying alumni from Michigan who have a B next to their name, not an M, a B. And you start to put some of these collectives together and you could literally, literally take care of athletes in football, men's basketball, women's, any, any sport you really wanted to name for the next 50 years. And it's a write-off for them, and it doesn't even put a drop in the bucket when you start to accumulate it from multiple places, which you could absolutely do at Michigan. Dude, 50 years from now, players would be set if you if you could scrape together $250, $300 million, which and, has happened before at Michigan pretty regularly. And you know what's great about that is it's legal. You're able to do it, and imagine what that would do on the recruiting trail because now you know, hey, if I go to the University of Michigan, I'm set. If every single player is guaranteed 50 grand a year, whatever the hell it would be, that's mm -hmm. a pretty powerful tool on the recruiting trail. So it, I think people are still of the mindset like, oh, pay for play and shysty, dirty tricks. Like It doesn't have to be like that. Michigan has – People in the alumni base that have the business acumen and the financial backing to put something like this together and could have done it a long time ago and for some odd reason haven't to the point where now the head coach of the basketball program is saying, hey, we don't have anything like that and it would be nice to have it. So if anybody out there is listening and would like to do that, let's make something happen. I mean, that's basically where he's at. That's what he's saying. Yeah. That's what he's saying. That's what Harbaugh has been saying. I mean, I know, again, remember several months ago, one of the regents was at a practice and Harbaugh's openly talking about, yeah, can we get a little more for NIL? How about a little, uh, you know, like, like he's ordering a Coke at the restaurant, you know, can, can we get a little more over here? And, and, and like, it's still nothing, you know, when our, 
now we're about to be a year and a half into this thing or more, and it's still other schools are just lapping Michigan because they're they're willing to go about it in a way that makes sense. And, you know, there's been, oh, I don't know how much I want to roll out there and how thin we want to spread this thing, but there's been some the, some deals announced out there that Michigan is on, like, the cutting edge, and they're doing this in the player cards and the jerseys and the – dude, it's like – it's peanuts, man. Those player card, those playing cards that are being sold at the M Den that the players get money from, dude, you'd have to sell like a billion packs of those for those guys to even get any real money. Like it's just not. It looks cool on the surface, and a lot of the fans are like, "Yeah, Michigan's doing it." They're not doing it, man. And you wouldn't have. And again, this isn't me saying it. It's not Chris saying it. It's Jawan Howard saying it. It's Hunter Dickinson saying it. It's Jim Harbaugh saying it. I don't know, man. I, I don't know how anybody is really – I don't know how anybody who's a Michigan fan can come out and say, but Michigan's going to be there at the end. They're doing it the right way, and triumphantly they will stand. Well, I would like know, you to tell that to Juan Howard and see what happens. You know how people can do that at this point. You've been working in this market long enough. Yeah, it's just one of those things, man. We've been talking about it from the from the beginning. We jumped into NIL stuff, you know, a long time ago. And I mean, shit, we've been paying players for the the at least the last year. As for, soon as NIL, as soon as NIL went live, we and we got a little pushback at the beginning. We sure did. Too much out there, but it was there, and it, you know. So anyway, yeah. I mean, again, Juwan sat down on Thursday, talked about that for a long time, and that was. I don't know, Chris, but was that the most noteworthy thing? I think you kind of said that. I mean, yeah, the yeah. I mean, you know, he obviously was, you know, it's it's early and he's still trying to get a feel for his team and 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 what they're gonna look like. But still yeah, the, out from the first practice, even, yeah, right? you know, the the and he was pretty clear about the fact that they were getting ready to go on their um, you know, their overseas trip mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of things were coming up. But yeah, the the NIL stuff to me, that was far and away the biggest thing that came out of that that meeting because again it was just it was almost surreal to be sitting there and to hear him saying that in person and be like how the hell is this the head coach at you know juan howard juan howard head coach of the university of michigan basketball program sitting here in this room saying we need help we need to do better it just it felt weird so there you go bow on is that is that a bow on juan sit down that's a bow that's a bow no a bow on the Juwan Howard sit down and Chris does have more video. And if we need to pull a little bit more from that as we move through, but I mean, dude, let's be honest, football's right around the corner. We're taking a little break next week. So I, I'm, I'm thinking that's a bow on Juwan Howard in basketball for a while. As I put a story out about that, because like the non-conference basketball schedule was released and there was some, you know, there's, there's a little bit of talk going on about that. I even tweeted it out this way. I'm like, all right, basketball's not too far off yet, but good God, dude, let's get football here because it is close. 17 days, as we've said. And today we got Jim Harbaugh for the first time since fall camp started. Obviously we spent some time with him in Indianapolis and then on the Stewart on the tour around the state of Michigan. But today he was asked some of the specific questions and some of the stuff that's been going on during fall camp. And we'll start where it ends. We'll end where it starts, dude. The freaking quarterback battle. Of course, it was the first question out of the media's mouth. Jim Harbaugh, mm, I don't know, man. I mean, he's saying, I, first of all, what he's saying, I don't think he's really lying, honestly. He says, like, both of these guys look like starters. It's a pretty tough decision. I'm not really, blah, 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 blah. Let's start right there, Chris, first. Do you think he's being honest? Do you think it really is as close as he's saying and that he doesn't know? Like, if they had a game tomorrow, 
who would be the guy? Or do you think he's just doing that because we're the media and that's what he always does? I think he knows who his guy is right now. I don't think he knows who his guy will be by the time they play okay. Iowa or head out in the, the second half against Iowa. But what I will say is I do believe he's telling the truth that, that both guys look like starting quarterbacks. And I mean, we, you know, we expected JJ McCarthy to perform well during fall camp to, to perform at least as good as Cade McNamara. So I'm, I'm not surprised that they look shoulder to shoulder. Uh, and, and I, I think that that in and of itself is very telling that you're what you're, you're 13 or so practices into fall camp and, you know, JJ McCarthy and Cade McNamara are neck and neck and both look like starting quarterbacks. And I've said this for a while that if all things are equal going into the 2022 season, as far as Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy are concerned, you go with the younger guy who's got more upside. If they both look similar and equal, then you go with the younger guy who has a higher upside to me. So when I heard Jim Harbaugh say that they both look like starting quarterbacks, I found that interesting because going into camp, you got the impression that Cade McNamara had a slight edge simply because he played in spring. What happened last year and JJ McCarthy was going to have to catch up. And it looks like he has caught up. Well, Chris, if we want to really learn about how good the quarterbacks are, we can always ask Dave Revson or <laughs> Gary Gennardo or Howard Griffith. I mean, just ask those guys. Screw the media who's there every single day. Forget about those up. guys. Just forget about them, dude. Give them. Dude, why would we ever give them a little glimpse? And I know, I know. I put something out about this on Twitter, and they and the Big Ten Network probably did pay Michigan and Jim Harbaugh for the access to the practice. Maybe not. I'm not really sure how that works, but. Did you not feel like that was a slight kick in the old in the old jewels? Yeah, right I, to, to the point where I called you Brian, on, on the way home because I was so pissed off that we, you know, we're sitting there like a bunch of hungry dogs in the media scrum with Harbaugh just asking questions. Tell us about what's going on with the quarterback situation. What do you see and how do they look? And Harbaugh says, you know, they both look pretty good. They both look really good. And uh, if you don't believe me, ask the guys from BTN. They got to see it today. And like. At first I was like, man, okay, well that's, you know, whatever. And then I'm driving home. I'm like, wait a minute. What about the people that are there every day? You know, every day that there's a press conference of the week, the local media, the people who cover this team day in and day out, how about giving us, you know, a little bit of access, maybe let us come into practice for an hour and see some of those things ourselves. I, I know that Michigan used to do things like that back in the day, or at least be a little more friendly to the media, but man, when, when the national guys or the bigger guys get to go in. I mean, dude, I feel like I, I was nearly sitting on top of a train car today to try to get a look at what was going on with practice. That's how desperate I was. I was walking a bridge trying to see what I could see going on there uh, just outside of Glick, and it would be nice to be able to get some access. You know, Chris Did and that I make were, sense? Yeah, listen, Chris and I were at Big Ten Media Days, then drove eight hours promptly up to Mackinac Island to spend some time with the team. You know, Dave Revson didn't do that. Dave Revson wasn't there. Howard Griffith wasn't there. Was Jerry Dave Revson in the pool with Harbaugh? Was Dave Revson doing that? No. I'm not going to lie. That was a little bit of a kick in the pants. Look, Thanks, I'm, not asking, I'm not asking Harbaugh to open practice up wall-to-wall -wall and let us watch and see everything. But, dude, could we see 20 minutes of Indy or just throwing just throw the rock a little bit? A little bit? No, no, we can't. And, you know, whatever. He can run his program however the hell he wants, but it is it is a little bit disheartening sometimes when I hear and read about what other media people get access to at the programs that they cover. Um, yeah, it's just a bummer. I wish we could see a little bit of it so, you know, we didn't have to have, like, 
a mole in the building who's afraid of being like, you know, dumped in a in a cement mixer because they might tell us about what the quarterback battle looks like. I mean, good wow. God, dude. This isn't like this isn't nuclear warfare. It's football. All right. Let us take a peek for a minute. But anyway, okay, back on topic. The the quarterback battle. It, dude, it's a weird thing because we, we've talked about what we think and how high we are on JJ McCarthy. And if they're neck and neck and it's still Cade and it's going to be Cade and he's going to be the guy first, but Cade, but JJ is going to get a little bit of a look or he's going to get some snaps to see if he can chase Cade down. Dude is, and I, I don't even want to say the words because it makes me feel bad. We've met but him. You have, you have to say it to be fair. You got to ask. AJ just not that good. He's just well, not, not good enough to overtake Cade. He's just not good enough to do it. If he was, it would be a done freaking deal. Would it not? That is, I, I just, listen, maybe, maybe, maybe it's unfair. Uh, maybe the expectation that guys like us put on him it w- was a bit unfair because I mean, we've said this on a number of shows. I know I've said it that I just thought it would be painfully obvious. We saw a little bit of JJ last year. We saw Cade play most of the year. I thought, man, you know, JJ's got a year under his belt. Now they're going to get into fall camp and this thing is going to be obvious. And the fact that it's not yet does raise some questions a little bit. And it's like, you know, how, how can it not? Because what I saw last year was a kid who, if given the opportunity would be leaps and bounds better than Cade McNamara. That's what I thought. And so the fact that it looks like they're neck and neck in practice, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. He's coming off of an injury, but he's fine now. I mean, he's a young kid. He's, you know, it's not, it's like riding a bike. He's back on the bike. He's ready to ride now. I, I don't think that injury is playing any issue in what's going on right now in fall camp. I just, it would be nice going back to what we said before. It'd be nice to be able to go in there and see it firsthand and just watch these guys perform and say, okay, I can, I can see a little bit of it now. Right now, it just, it doesn't make any sense. And you do have to start to ask those questions. Is there maybe something going on with JJ McCarthy that we're not fully aware of? You know, Harbaugh, Harbaugh said a couple things today in reference to this battle. You know, he, he said, you know, the cliche, the cliche saying, which he didn't say correctly, he pulled kind of a George Bush on it a little bit. But if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks like that's that's kind of the cliche saying. And honestly, dude, like I know Harbaugh blasted the people who feel that way. He said he said people are born originals and then they die copycats because they just say stuff like this. But, dude, I, I tend to think that that statement's pretty true. If you don't have a guy who is the freaking man and you know he's the man, do you really have a starting quarterback or do you just have two guys that, that can both kind of play? I, I tend to feel that way a little bit. When you watch, like, you know, 95% of teams out there, they go with a guy. They have their guy and they roll with it. And the best teams you know, have the best quarterbacks in a lot of, uh, most of the time, a lot of the time. And so for him to say that, I thought was a little bit disingenuous, but like, I mean, yeah, he does. He does have a a proved commodity in Cade McNamara. And he's got this, you know, talented young kid who's trying to steal, you know, steal the reins and JJ McCarthy. And I don't know, man, I, I thought I'm with you. I thought it would be obvious this year. And if it's not, then I have, I think you have to start wondering if JJ is ever going to be that, that kind of player or the kind of player that we both think he could be or that he showed flashes of being last year, because if he's showing flashes of that in six or eight snaps a game last year, I just don't understand how it's not like to the moon. Let when me, he let me add, amount of snaps. Let me put it this way. If it was, you know, 
CJ Stroud and Cade McNamara going into fall camp. I mean, w- w- do you think there would be much of a battle? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm trying to like liken it to like another quarterback where, you know, you think highly of this guy. Like I'm not, I feel like, I feel like it comes off as like slamming Cade. I know. And, I hate and, and, I, and I, and I don't want it to come off that way, but we watched him play last year. He is a good quarterback. I wouldn't put him in the great category. I think he is a solid, good Big Ten quarterback. What I saw from J.J. McCarthy was the potential for greatness in limited snaps. You could just see some of the things he does aren't things that are necessarily taught. It's just things that gamers do. It's like when Iverson gets into a game, he just does shit. that, that He just naturally can do that. And that's what you see from J.J. And so if if they're not seeing those things in practice, or maybe they are seeing those things, but there's a flip side. Maybe there's turnovers. Maybe JJ is a little more risky, careless with the ball. I don't know. But the fact that it's already not obvious that mm-hmm. JJ is the better quarterback, or at least that's not what Harbaugh is saying at this point, you you do start to have to ask some of those questions because it seemed obvious last year and JJ really didn't even get that many snaps. And, and I see I see some of the points being made here, and I think they're really good ones. Chris is kind of Chris Hamill from the Facebook page, kind of summing it up. Is Harbaugh ever going to say that it's obvious? No, yeah, that, that's a great point. Harbaugh's not going to come out today on August seventeenth and say Cade's the guy, JJ's the backup, or vice versa. He's not going to do that. But when you start to take into account what, how, what he is saying and the things that we're hearing from people who have watched some practices, it, it's it's what's he saying? Like, it's going to be a split. There's going to be some reps given to both guys. It's neck and neck. It looks like JJ's got more potential, but Harbaugh loves it. I mean, like that's, that's what we're gathering and what we're hearing. So I mean, we're, we're pretty much, we're pretty much in agreement or solidly confident that this quarterback battle is going to go well into the season. Yes. We're not going to have, I mean, by nature of the position, you have to have a guy that starts week one, but I don't think that there is necessarily going to be anything settled at that quarterback position until maybe halftime of Iowa. And, and that lines up with what we've heard from, from people that have talked to, you know, different sources around the program and what Harbaugh said today, he said, there's, you know, there's three options that could happen. I could go with QBA. I could go with QBB or we could go into the season and see how the guys perform and make a decision then. And so he's even, you know, entertaining the idea that this is going to be a two quarterback situation, um, going into the season. And, and what was, what was it that he said, uh, you know, to the whole, if you have two QBs, you have none, like some people are born original and die copies. That's like, if, if, yeah, if you, if you are of the mindset, this is according to Harbaugh, that if you have two QBs, you have none, you know, Harbaugh's response to that was, you know, those people are born original and die copies. And so the overall point being like, he believes he's got two good quarterbacks. And I think, as of this moment is, is probably going to play both of them quite a bit, at least the first four weeks of the season. Yeah. I just put a story up on this last or earlier this week about like, it looks like it's going to be a pretty close split, you know, for the first three or four games. And then there's going to be a, a little bit more of a slider moving one way or the other for the Iowa game. And then that's kind of going to be that. And right now people close to it think it's going to be Cade. And again, that's, that's where our, you know, our, our curiosity comes from and where we ask ourselves and ask out loud, like maybe JJ's just not as good as we thought. Maybe the expectations were too high. Maybe the flash in the plan, flash in the pan, exciting plays aren't that, aren't that 
um, aren't that consistent, aren't that often, aren't that regular, and 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 the mistakes that come with. I I don't know. We're not really seeing it. We're not really. We're not seeing it at all ourselves. So this is a lot of this is hearsay and piecing things together and hoping you can trust the people that are in that building occasionally. And that's tough to do. That's tough to do. And even if Harbaugh did open up practice for an hour, we still wouldn't get that out of it. But I think you would be able to see a little bit about what, you know, what makes them good quarterbacks and what makes them, you know, solid in their own roles. Cause they are yeah, different. Well, There's no question about that. Well, and to CJ's point, and I don't know if we said it, but I, you know, there, there is, there is also the possibility that Cade McNamara has improved his game from last year drastically. Although we talked about this before we went live, that there's, there's certain elements of Cade's game that can certainly get better, but there's other elements like the mobility. I, I don't think that, you know, that just is what it is. And I said this to you before we went live that even when I uh, d- did the interview with Desmond Howard uh, shortly before um, the college football playoff, you know, he said that basically this race was going to come down to how much does JJ develop during the off season, because we already know what Kate is. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, yeah, he could have gotten better from last year to this year, but I don't, I, I didn't expect it to be, you know, I just didn't think he could get that much better to where it would even be, you know, a competition with JJ based on what we could see. But apparently that's the case. <laughs> and Harbaugh did it like, such a classic yes, blue dove. We're doing a whole lot of speculating because yeah. that's all we can do. I mean, that's that's what you do, right? I mean, we'll, we'll just shut her down. We'll see in in December when the games are. I mean, I mean you know, we, we would love we would love to be in there with the BTN guys watching practice and filming it and giving you all those tidbits. But we're not allowed local um, media, not allowed. What did Harbaugh say today? He, he was kind of going on a little bit about the quarterback battle. He's like, and then, you know, the. The players are seeing what what we're seeing, and the coaches we're all seeing the same thing. And then at some point, you know, it's going to be really obvious, or maybe it won't, like it is right. He just like told, I'm like, come on, man. Dun dun dun. He just went like right back on what he what he just spent several you know minutes talking about. And maybe they should just shut the pressers down. What is the point? What is the point? They don't want to do them. They don't want to answer any of those damn questions. That video clip will be in a story here either later tonight or tomorrow. I have it all chopped up already, but I haven't typed anything to go along with it. So anyway, yeah, right around five minutes of of Harbaugh interesting things from the presser today will be available either tonight or tomorrow. Now, I do want to ask you, Brandon, because the last week that we were on, your slider was moving all the way over to the JJ train. Uh, Your slide, listen, your slider was sliding quite a bit. You had number nine. You were leaning number nine as a starter. Has what you've heard over the last week changed your mindset on who's going to be the week one starter? Let me pull up a text I just got today, yesterday, yesterday afternoon. Is this breaking news? Are you going to uh, give people I mean, I'm going to put a story together on this as well, but it's a really short line. So there's not like a lot of fleshing out that you can do with it, but someone very, very close to the situation feels like it's going to be a 60, 40 split in favor of Cade McNamara. And then that Cade McNamara will get more than 60, 40 against Iowa on the road. Do with that what you want. Does that mean that's how it's going to be for the whole rest of the season? Does, or is that just how things have looked so far? I mean, what if, you know, what if JJ lights it up over the next week and a half before the game gets here? And then during those three or four first games of the season, he's just 
markedly better than Cade McNamara. I, I think that's possible, but that's what I was told. That's what I was told yesterday from someone who absolutely would be in the know is that it feels like a 60-40 split in favor of Cade and that it's going to be even more than that for the Iowa game on the road in favor of Cade. So to answer your question, Chris, I was moving my slider towards number nine, but after that text message right there, I got to slide it back over to number 12. And I don't know, man, we've speculated a lot. And I know you keep saying like, if it was so obvious, like I think it is, it would just be JJ. And it just hasn't seemed to be, it hasn't, it hasn't been communicated to either of us that that's happening. And that's surprising to me. I think in the least, at least it's surprising. Yeah. And I mean, people, people can point to the injury all they want. I just, I don't think that through things. I mean, you know, spring ball is what spring ball is, but uh, you know, I think JJ McCarthy is fully healthy. I think he's showcasing his skills and in, in fall camp, there's no limitations. We heard as much from Matt Weiss. He's, mm-hmm. he's doing everything that the rest of the quarterbacks are doing. So yeah, it just, it, again, it's like the NIL thing. It's just, you know, you, you hear things like that and it's a bit surprising. All right, maybe oh man, I need to get get out of here a little bit. In a little in a little bit. I know we could we could do maybe do we might not be able to take a week off next week. I'm just saying. We'll we'll see what happens. But <laughs> one last thing that I did definitely want to get to, I I made these two things at the top of my bullet points, the quarterback battle being one, and then the fact that Jim Harbaugh answered a question today in a way that he almost never does. Never. Somebody asked Jim who would you say is the MVP of fall camp right now? And he flat out said Ronnie Bell. And almost as soon as he said the words, then he was like, oh, I don't really want to say anything because I'm going to say some names. And But then he went back and talked about Ronnie Bell some more. So to me, that that means that Ronnie Bell is is absolutely killing it and, and that he is he is better and bigger and faster and stronger than he was before the injury, which is remarkable in itself. But even on another level, I think that just means it's going to be an incredibly productive season for Ronnie Bell. And I'm 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 so excited to see it because as you've mentioned many times, Chris, he came out of the gates last year looking like he was gonna be an all big ten, you know, maybe first teamer. Like he was he was what what I don't know, dude. It was just a couple plays against Western, but it was they were spectacular. I mean, the return game, the one-handed grabs, the getting open, the super long touchdown. He just looked tough and fast, and apparently now he's new and improved, and I just can't wait to see what it looks like. Yeah, and, and I think one of the reasons why people are so intrigued by the quarterback battle is because of guys like Ronnie Bell and all yes. of the weapons that they have out there, and that's going to give you a pretty good indication on how those weapons are going to be used. It just seems like there's more of a vertical threat when JJ's on the field, because there's, you know, he's a little bit more dynamic, a lot more dynamic with his legs, but going back to Ronnie bell, that's pretty much what we've heard. Uh, all fall camp is that he's bigger, faster, stronger, you know, he, he he's better than he was pre injury. And so, you know, you could see, fortunately, Revson was there at practice, got to get a little, uh, little video of, of bell out there running around. He doesn't have the, the knee brace on. He's, he's cutting really well. He looks fast. He's got that shake, that shimmy in him. And so, yeah, Michigan, that offense, that offense has so much damn potential. And I think that's why there's so much intrigue at the quarterback position, because like I said, that's going to tell you a lot about how that offense is going to look the first four weeks.
Yeah, Ronnie Bell with no knee brace on, coming exploding off the line of scrimmage, the triple jab to the fade, to the corner, right by wide receivers coach Ron Bellamy over the shoulder. Dude, he he uh, man. passed and, from JJ. And I, I believe I think it was. I think you're right. And we've just heard about game day Ronnie and how he's just on another another on another plane when Saturdays roll around. And I think that plane, if the baseline was here last year for game day, Ronnie, I think it's here, dude. I think, you know, missing a year of football and being around it the way that he was and really attacking his rehab and trying to get out there and be better this year. And he is better. And again, it's not fudgeable, just coach speak like, Oh, he looks better. No, his times are better. His weightlifting numbers are better. His in and out quickness, his shuttle times, his cutting, it's all better than it was before the injury, you know, in a measured, in a measured sense, not just in an opinion, like, Oh, he looks pretty good. You know, really happy for Ronnie that act after the injury, though. He's literally physically better than he was before the, the knee injury. And that's, that's incredible. And I think it's going to really, really manifest in a way on the field where, you know, before we've talked about all these weapons and who's going to lead the team in catches and yards and starting to feel like it's me, Ronnie Bell. Like it's, that's going to be him. Like whoever the quarterback is, it's starting to feel like Ronnie Bell is going to be in his bag as a senior. And I hope he is man, because just the way it went last year had to, had to blow like on, like at an all time high, it had to be awful for him. So I, I hope it goes really well for him in the, uh, in the fall and, from everything we've heard, it's going to. I mean, at this point, I'd be pretty shocked if it if it's not if it doesn't go well for him. Is that? I mean, well, let me ask you this because we talked about before how it seemed to be like in a, again a very small sample size, but they're classmates. They they know each other well. That maybe JJ and Andrell would have this special connection. Do you think if it's Cade versus if it's JJ, like will affect Ronnie Bell's production at all? I mean, or do you think it's 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 pretty? pretty minimal or maybe not even noticeable. Yeah, I don't think so. Not at all. I mean, I, I, I think it'll impact it in the sense that I think it'll go up. I just, I'm, I'm not going to move off of this perch until I, until I get a concrete reason why that I believe this offense is more productive with JJ McCarthy behind center. That's just yeah. what I believe. And so I think Ronnie Bell's numbers would go up because I think he's going to be getting the ball more. I think the, the offense is going to be more conducive to that. So you know, we'll see. Maybe I don't know what, what the hell I'm talking about. You know, this is all, you know, I forget who said it, but this is all speculation and, you know, based on a very limited sample size of what we saw from McCarthy as freshman season. But even in that limited sample size, man, it was pretty damn exciting. Yeah, no question. No question. And last but not last but not least, not ever least, uh, Mozzie Smith, again, more praise, more just more evidence that he is just so ready to be that dude on the defensive side of the ball this year. Um, Jim Harbaugh talked about the freshman defensive tackles, uh, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant really coming along. We spoke about Kenneth Grant. He seems to be the gift from the football gods, 350 pounds moving like he's 250, as Jim Harbaugh kind of reiterated today. But then he said something that really caught my eye, and it's something that we kind of noticed out of Mozzie at Big Ten Media Days, just how he was carrying himself, how he was speaking, how he was conducting himself, the way that all the coaches and all the players, I mean, Mike Morris is like, and I'm quoting Mozzie Smith, he did that three or four times, and I'm 10 toes down for Mozzie, whatever Mozzie says we're going to do. Jim Harbaugh said, those freshman defensive tackles are being brought along, and they look great because Mike Elston is coaching them up like crazy. Then he said, 
Hell, Mozzie Smith is coaching him up like crazy. Like he literally spoke about Mozzie in the same breath as his defensive line coach when it comes to getting guys ready, focusing on the details, bringing you know, putting him under his wing, all the little cliche things that you would say about an upperclassman bringing the younger guys along. But we saw it, dude. We saw it in Chicago during that that Big Ten Champions camp where Mozzie was out there working with some of those young campers in a way that I, I it looked rare. It looked rare to me to see a college kid who, you know, is is at that time wasn't even close to his senior season yet or was, you know, just coming out of his junior year looking like a polished defensive line coach. And now we hear this from Jim Harbaugh today. And I again, dude, the physical prowess, the drive, the motivation, the skills, and now this mental edge that he seems to have. I don't know, man. Mozzie Smith just looks like. From his position, I don't know if he will impact the game. No, I, I think he can, actually. I think he can impact the game as much as a pass rusher. I mean, he's going to be asked to do some different things than a David Ojabo or an Aiden Hutchinson, but can he take an Ojabo-like leap from year three to year four in your mind? I, I mean, I think it's probably obvious. I've heard you talk about the guy. I don't see any way that he doesn't. And I just go back I go back to the fact that we have been around him in, cl- in close proximity. And I've been around him before, but the growth is just so noticeable mm-hmm. physically and, and the mental growth. I mean, you know, him, him coaching up the younger guys and him being more of a vocal leader. And even somebody like Mike Morris, who's been in the program for a while saying whatever Mozzie Smith wants, that's what we're going to do. Yep. It's clear that he's, and, and and I think I said this on last week's show that we've been wondering who is going to take that, um, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo step who was going to really like, you know, Harbaugh talked about the train was heading the wrong way. And there were a group of guys that, you know, grabbed it and turned it around and pushed it. And they had all this great momentum building. And it was, well, you lose a guy like Aiden and David Ojabo and who's going to take over in those leadership roles. And I did not have Mozzie Smith on my list of guys that were going to step up and be vocal leaders on that defense. And after being around him and seeing him in person and hearing what some of the other guys are saying, man, I, I would be shocked if he does not have a monster year. And I know we talked about the fact that he hasn't even had a quarterback sack in his collegiate career. I'd be shocked if he finishes this year with just one. I mean, I, I said it on one of the social media posts recently. I don't see how anybody's going to stop him this year. He just looks physically unstoppable. I think you posted a picture recently, didn't you, where he didn't have pads on but looked like he, he did? It was unbelievable. He, he looks like when you're playing a video game and you get to the final round and you got to fight like the guy that's just obscenely big. And oh, it's like, how the hell can anybody beat this guy? Yeah. That's what Mozzie Smith looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and then Jim Harbaugh was very complimentary of guys like Mason Graham, excuse me, and Kenneth Grant, and we've been high on Chris Jenkins, who's now around 300 pounds, and suddenly that defensive interior that I thought was going to be a weakness and a little bit thin and not having much depth might not be an issue, and Jim Harbaugh said as much about that, too. He said, you know, recently that interior especially has been getting the better of our offensive line. That's pretty damn good, and that's pretty well thought of. That's a that's a good unit over there. And those young D linemen over there, maybe Rayshon Benny's in that mix too. I know he did some impressive stuff. You yeah. know, well, who's he? He was throwing another teammate around on the on the tug of war, right? <laughs> Jaden Hood. They were doing they were doing the tug of war, and uh, you know, Jaden Hood isn't small. I don't know what his what you know what his actual measurables are, but he he's not a small guy. And Rayshon Benny was. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, slam hood too much, but Rayshon Benny was pulling him like he was a child. Like it was just nothing. It was like, yeah, you know, so. so you know, 
that is a 300 pound D lineman against probably a 220 pound linebacker. But the point is there's some bodies up there now. And and if you can get some, from legitimate meaningful snaps out of two freshmen in Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant and Mozzie Smith's on another level and the mutants doing his thing. And you can even bump a guy like Mike Morris in there. Who's two ninety. And Julius Welskoff has played there before, although he's down 20 or 30 pounds. The point is Jim Harbaugh has been impressed by what that defensive lineman has done, particularly on the interior. And again, now a spot that I thought was going to be maybe a problem suddenly doesn't sound like a problem. You got to see it. You got to see it against competition, but those words are encouraging for sure. So that's about, you know, some of the things that stuck out from Jim Harbaugh today. There will be more in the coming days about what he said, and I'll have that video up there again either tonight or tomorrow, but that's kind of the nuts and bolts about what Jim Harbaugh spoke about today. So that's all I got. Chris, I don't know. Do you have anything else that you feel like we need to touch on? Because right now, we're not going to be back for a little over a week. Who knows? We could change our minds, but right now we will not be back until Monday of game week. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think, I think think we covered it uh... – I think we covered it well. I mean, there's not a lot that's coming out of these press conferences. I think yeah. everybody, you know, everybody's just going to have to see it week one, but I, <laughs> they've got plenty of time. What all the question marks are, you know, even offensively, we know there's a ton of talent, still a ton of question marks, how it's going to look. Uh, the season schedule lines up nicely for Michigan to get it figured out over the next, you know, over the first four weeks. So no, I'm point. not worried that Michigan's going to figure it out. And, and based on the BTN guys who did get to actually see practice today, it sounds like Michigan once again, looks like a championship caliber team. So must've been nice to take that in there. There you have it. Keep your eyes peeled. If we, if we feel like we need to go on Wednesday, we'll go, we'll announce it. We'll announce it on Facebook. We'll put it on Twitter. It'll be out there. You won't be left behind or lost, but as of right now, You will see us again on Monday, August 29th, just five days, six days before Michigan's season starts. It's coming, man. The next time you see these ugly mugs, we'll be inside a week before kickoff. So there you have it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Keep it locked. Again, remember... Life is a highway. Thanks for nothing, Dave Revson. I want to ride it all day long. Easy. God, that's that's two of them. That's two. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you in about a week and a half. Take care.